Well, the second lesson this morning also comes from the Gospel of John, but at the very end, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. And friends, hear the word of the Lord. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, Follow me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have a great myth in our tradition. And we need to figure out how to help dispel it. And you've probably run into this myth in your life, or maybe in different social contexts that you end up finding yourself in. And the myth goes like this. In order to be a part of a community of faith, you need to have it all together. Right? That's the myth. If you've ever been on an airplane and your relationship with your church has come up, you certainly know what happens next in that conversation. Either it completely shuts down Except for, I've found, one particular person has been very interested in this, and this was for somebody who had a PhD in philosophy. So if you can find those who have PhDs in philosophy, you are good to go on an airplane. But other than that, the conversation is over, and there's an immediate apology. For what? Language, right? I'm so sorry that I offended you with my language. Okay? Because the myth is... That if you are a part of a community of faith, you need to have it all together. Okay? And it's just not true, right? And this stubborn mule of morality has in some ways stolen our hearts. But more important than that, it has rid our community of authenticity and honesty because we have forgotten how to talk to each other about the things that are not all together. 
And if we want to change our community and open up our church and grow our community, this stubborn mule of morality has got to go. Because what do we see in the text of the gospel itself? That's the question we need to ask. What do we see in the text of the gospel itself? In fact, what we see is that Jesus is commissioning an individual who does not have it all together. Peter. You know what just happened? Peter just betrayed Jesus in his time in Jerusalem. He couldn't seem to figure out how to be honest with his own self and his own friendship as he came into all of the rough and tumbling world and the whirling sort of plot that thickened in that course in Jerusalem. He couldn't be loyal, despite his best efforts. He's the one who is deeply human and deeply broken. And not only that, remember last week when we talked about the disciples in the boat when they meet Jesus for breakfast, who's the one who says that they want to go back fishing? It's Peter, right? Peter's not the one who wants to stay in Jerusalem and figure this out. Peter says, I'm going fishing. In other words, this is not the person who is the likely one to lead this little band of disciples. More than that, you know, Peter's naked in the boat, lying there in his full self, not expecting that anything is actually going to happen to change the course of events. And you know who Jesus has this conversation with right away to invite him into mission and into the world of faith. It's this deeply broken and troubled person, Peter. That's how Jesus chooses to build the community. And what does he start the conversation with? Is it about morals or is it about ethics? Is it about behavior? No. The conversation that Jesus starts with Peter is about love. It's about love. That's the question that he asks him. Do you love me? Do you love me? That is not a question of morality. That's a question of the heart, right? It's a question of the heart. It's not, do you have it all together? It's not, have have all your behaviors sort of lined up. It's, do you love me? Is your heart oriented towards me? Much sermonizing has been done about the different loves that happen within the course of this text. And if you've heard it, you know, if you're kind of a church person and you've been around, you've definitely heard that there's different words, right, that Peter and Jesus are using when they have this conversation. Because what Jesus says is he says, Peter, do you agape me? Now, agape, if you know, you know, a little bit about Greek or if you've read The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, is often translated in the English word charity. I mean, not in the Bible, but that's one of the ways that we get at what that word love means. It's a deep word for love. It has to do with the orientation of commitment. 
And as a matter of fact, later in the text, how that word will be translated is when Jesus talks about loving your neighbor and loving your enemies. Okay, that's the word agape that he uses. And Paul picks up on that word later when he talks about the community of faith. But Peter doesn't respond with that word. He responds with a different word for love. He says, yes, I phileo you. P-H-I-L. Philip, I'm sure that's where your name comes from. It's a lovely name. It means love, brotherly love. And that's where that word comes from. And actually, you know, C.S. Lewis translates in the four loves, he translates that word friendship. And friendship is wonderful. One of the places I think that we're sort of, or maybe we just have a, a deficient view of friendship, that could be possible. But the way that this word is translated in other parts of the New Testament is kiss. Okay? So it, it's not just sort of friendship in the way that we think about maybe 21st century friendship, but it's actually, this is the person that I want to spend all of my time with. This is one of my best friends. This is my tribe, as it were. These are my peeps, would be a way that some of our young people talk about this orientation. But it's true. Phileo means if you've got a Friday night that's free, the person that you're going to choose to hang out with is that person that you have that love oriented towards. And so when Peter says this to Jesus, he's saying, Jesus, you know that you are like one of my best friends. He brings it home. Because for Peter, this commitment, this relationship with Jesus, it almost, in a sense, goes beyond this world of agape commitment, and it actually lands in the everyday seediness of life. Yes, you are the one that I want to hang out with every Friday night. You know that I love you. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I find amazing about this text And there's many ways to read it, but the way that I'm reading it today is that for Jesus, the way that Peter talks about love, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of this story, the reason why he asks him three times, he says, do you agape me? Do you agape me? When Jesus or Peter responds, I phileo you, I phileo you. And then finally, of course, then Jesus says, do you phileo me? And Peter says, you know everything you know that you are one of my best friends. Because for Jesus, nothing else matters in this conversation but that Peter is clear about one thing, and that is his deep-seated love for Jesus. Because all mission starts there. Doesn't start anywhere else. But it starts with our own orientation, our own love, our own open-heartedness towards Jesus. That's where mission starts. We can't start it in any other place. And so when Jesus is having this conversation with Peter that's oriented towards mission, he starts first with a conversation about love. And from there, Jesus invites him into work. Right? Because the road of love leads to action. 
So he invites him into this journey, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, right? That's the progression. Now let me ask you a question before we go any further. Has Peter ever tended a flock before? No. What does he do best? Fishes, right? And, and, when Jesus invited him into discipleship, what did he tell him? I will make you fishers of men, right? Or a people. And now, whoa, who changed the story? All of a sudden, no longer is Jesus inviting Peter into fishing, but he's inviting him into tending sheep. Friends, the road to discipleship does not lead us always into our area of expertise. Oftentimes, it leads us into our areas where we are the most vulnerable and that where we have the least amount of skills to offer. Right? And as we follow Jesus, as we are able to say yes, as we are able to have that open-heartedness towards the person of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, the places that he's leading us are the places that are the least expected where we say, hold on a second, that's not what we signed up for. You said fishers of men, remember, you know, like three years ago? Now, tending a flock? I don't know anything about that. But do you love me, Jesus says? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. The real question that Jesus launches this whole mission is not, do you have it all together? Do you have your action steps ready to go? Do you know how to do it? But it starts with, do you love me? And you know, there's no other prerequisites for joining the community of faith. There's no other prerequisites for figuring out how to dive into this mission of loving Jesus other than, do you love me? That's it. You know, you can love God in a prison, you can love God on an airplane, you can love God as a scientist, you can love God as a philosopher, you can love God on your deathbed, you can love God as a failing parent, you can love God as a failing alcoholic. There's no place where you cannot respond to God's love. And that is where all mission begins. In that ability to say, wherever you are, you know I love you. And so then, friends, if we can love God, then we can join in this journey of Jesus. And it is going to be not into the world of expertise, but it is going to be into the world of unknown. It's not going to send us into our strengths, but it's going to send us into our vulnerabilities. And it's supposed to do that because there are no expert Christians. There are no spiritual experts. In the world of the community of faith around the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are just people who love Jesus and people that Jesus loves. And that is it.
That's it. You know, I want to close with uh, an observation that um, I've made, and maybe somehow you've seen this along the way, too. I watch a lot of Little League games. In fact, I watched one yesterday. Um, It was an 89ers game, uh, which means that the kids are either eight or nine. Um, And as I sat there and watched it, I was struck by one thing. Well, hang on just a second. Let me, let me say the next two sentences. So I was struck by the fact that there were a lot of mistakes. Right? There's a lot of mistakes. And I wasn't so much struck by the fact that the kids were making the mistakes. But I was struck by the fact that they were expected to make the mistakes. There was not one coach, not one parent, not one umpire who was watching that game and expecting it to be perfect. There was the expectation that we learn to play, not by feeling the stress of the game, but by what? By loving the game. And if you love the game, You will learn how to play the game. But in order to love the game, you have got to be able to have the freedom to make every mistake in the world. And to be expected to. You know, you see that ball go past second, and you see that second baseman come over and try to scoop it up, and she misses it, and nobody says, what? Oh my gosh, can you believe that? The second baseman missed the ball tell you what, that is not what one person says. They say, good job, nice try, get it the next time around, cover your base, right? Encouragement, noticing, expecting that in the effort to love the game that you will make mistakes. And friends, how is it any different for us? You know, if we are going to do this thing called engaging in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are going to make mistakes. We just are. We shouldn't expect that that's not part of the deal. In fact, it's built into it. But it's our leader who's calling us forward, saying, do you love me? All right. Tend my lambs. Wait, wait, we don't know anything about that. How do we tend lambs? It's okay. Do you love me? Yeah. Okay. Feed my sheep. Wait, we don't know anything about sheep. We just missed that sheep over there. How do we go get it? It's okay. Do you love me? Yeah. Feed my lambs. Friends, that's the spectrum of discipleship. That's the back and forth. That's the echo. Do you love me? Okay. Here we go, into the unknown. We need to expect to make mistakes. Expect that our brothers and sisters will make mistakes. It's part of the game. It's part of how we do things. It's not about being perfect. It's about falling in love. Let us pray. Lord, as we hear this text, we are struck 
by the fact that you do not call us into perfection, but into love. And so we do pray that you will bring that home to us in a new way. We do not love easily. In fact, it's harder work than duty. So give us strength and energy and give us, by the power of your spirit, this ability to respond to you in openness and open-heartedness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.